When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Henry Holt and Company and Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty. The New York Times bestselling author of Big Little Lies and Nine Perfect Strangers, Leanne Moriarty is back with Apples Never Fall, a novel about marriage, memory, and how the people we love the most can hurt us the deepest. If your mother was missing, would you tell the police? Even if the most obvious suspect was your father? This is the dilemma facing the four Delaney siblings. Apples Never Fall follows the Delaney family as they grapple with the aftermath of their mother's disappearance. And when secrets start to unravel, the siblings re-examine their family history in a new light. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 111, and we are recording on Monday, September 20th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you on this Monday? Hi, Katie. So like I told you, my childcare plans fell through, and you might notice a guest appearance from my toddler several times, so I apologize in advance for that. <laughs> Uh, uh, but otherwise, it's, you know, a usual Monday morning, Monday <laughs> evening. I was going to say, <laughs> I know you're you're a couple hours behind, but you are not that far behind. <laughs> what is time on a Monday? <laughs> time is a flat circle. <laughs> yes. How about you? How are you? How holding up? Oh, my goodness. It's been it's been a busy month. It's going to be an even busier week. I have two days at work before I fly out to the East Coast for my friend's wedding on Friday. And of course, both days at work have to be shortened for various reasons. So I don't even get a full work day in order to get all the stuff done that I need to get done. And then when we come back from our trip to the East Coast next week, we've got about four days before we leave on our road trip to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So it's going to be a busy few weeks. And I think we've got a guest host coming up for our next episode because that one I did not, I was not willing to trust the internet quality of the Upper Peninsula to record our episode. So I I think Liberty is going to be guest hosting with us for next episode. that's that is still the case, right? Uh, yes, and we have something super excited lined up for all our listeners. So yeah, awesome. I will miss you in that episode, but I'm also excited for our listeners who get to hear Liberties. You know, she, as everyone knows, who follows Book Riot, she's our Velocity reader. So I'm excited for what uh, her picks for our next episode. Yeah, and I know over the years that Liberty has filled in a few times as guest host for Red or Dead, so if you've been listening for a long time, our uh, standard guest host is coming back. So we, we love having Liberty on. Yeah, so yeah, my my couple of weeks are going to be busy, but I should hopefully come back with lots of beautiful photos of the fall foliage and maybe some reading time. We'll see. I'm the, our, our trip to Michigan's supposed to be pretty chill, just a lot of like hiking and outdoor stuff, but we're not going to be running around doing a bunch of stuff. So we, we might just find some time just to sit outside with a good book and read. So we'll nice. see. <laughs> yeah, lots of audiobook time. Hikes are great for audiobook time. So here's hoping. 
Yes. Also hoping I see a bear. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Two dreams. Read a book, see a bear. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) What are you reading right now? Um, my packing list. No, <laughs> no, seriously. I this, this has been a an unbelievably busy month and the last couple of weeks. So I feel like I have barely gotten a chance to read anything, even stuff that I had already started previously. I just have not had the time or the energy to pick up the books again. So unfortunately, I have stalled out. Please tell me that your reading life has been a little bit more exciting than mine over the last couple of weeks. Yes, actually, it has. It has been surprisingly okay. And by surprisingly okay, I mean, I have not fallen asleep on my face and I've been able to read three pages. But something interesting that I did start that I want to talk about was a recent nonfiction release called A Fatal Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum by Emma Souten. And it is set in ancient Rome and it talks about how every big moment in ancient Rome has sort of been instigated with a murder. And it is so well, it is so, so delightful. If you love ancient Rome, if you love murders, well, let me out wrong. If you love reading about murders, historic murders of, you know, of how they came about and just like the ways that they have changed the course of history, literally, you need to read this book. It is it is written in such an engaging way that I, I picked up, I put aside my fiction picks because this was more engaging than them. So, I mean, that's something I rarely say for a nonfiction pick and it is delightful, delightful. And I'm like, what, 20 pages in? But it is super engaging, super informative and it's just like scratching all that ancient Rome, you know, all that history itch as well as that murder mystery itch. So, yeah, that's a fatal thing happened on the way to the forum by Emma Salton. So yeah, that's been that's been good to me. <laughs> <laughs> and that immediately made me start thinking of all of our patrons that come into my library. We've got a lot of nonfiction readers and we've got a lot of fans of historical nonfiction and historical fiction. And we've got a lot of mystery fans too. This I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's like five or six people I can think of right off the bat that I could hand this to. I'll have to see if uh, we have a copy. Absolutely. it. it I would... Like you can, you can put my cosign on it, like stamp of approval. It is so good, especially what you're talking about, that historical fiction itch. I know a lot of people love Robert Harris is like his setting, his historical fiction set in ancient Rome. And if anyone comes to you with that, just hand, just hand them this book. Don't even talk about anything. Just give them this book and be like, okay, bye. See you. (laughs) You're going to love it. Just trust me. I've already checked it out for you. (laughs) Start reading. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, why don't you go ahead and give us our first sponsor and then we can uh, jump into this episode. I'm excited about this one. Absolutely. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Fallout by Steve Schenken. Spies and super bombs, Soviets and Americans on the brink of World War III. From New York Times bestselling author Steve Schenken comes an edge-of-your-seat spy story following the perilous twists and turns of the Cold War. A follow-up to Newbery Honor winner and National Book Award finalist bomb. This book is perfect for middle grade readers, history buffs, and anyone who loves nonfiction and thrillers that keep you reading through the night. Pick up Fallout from the award winning and New York Times bestselling author Steve Shenkin, dubbed the master of fast paced histories by the Washington Post. We thank them very much for sponsoring this show. 
All right. So if you are a new listener, welcome. We're delighted to have you. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so happy that you continue to put us in your ear holes every two weeks. So like I said at the top of the episode, we talk about mysteries and suspense and thrillers and anything that falls under that umbrella, whether it's true crime or movie adaptations we're super pumped about or exploring new subgenres that we're not familiar with or finding author read-alikes or looking for lesser known authors and more marginalized authors that don't get a lot of attention. As long as it's mysterious and suspenseful and there's crime involved, it falls under that umbrella and it's fair game to talk about. So this is the part of the show where we always put out a call to our lovely listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for future episodes, because they really do help us plan so many of the episodes we've done over the past several years. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. It's just win-win all around, and you all have come up with some really fantastic suggestions. So if you do have any ideas, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to worry about writing it down now. We just put out the call ahead of time at the beginning, get those creative juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea, you just want to say hi, there is nothing we enjoy more. It always delights us to hear from our listeners and to know that you guys are really enjoying the show. If you do enjoy this show, which hopefully you all do, please leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us and join in and discover this delightful little community we've created over the years. Normally, we jump into our news section. There's not a ton of super big stuff going on in that that area of the mystery world, so we're just going to go ahead and jump right into the the meat of the episode and i am really excited about this because we're we're going to talk about twists and surprise endings but we're going to do it in a spoiler free way so no you are not going to have any specific books or anything ruined so everyone can join in on the fun absolutely and i th- think and actually this was a listener suggested show suggestion so thank you very much for writing in it helps us understand better what you're looking for and what we're hoping to do today is basically talk about books that started a certain way and we did not see where they went (laughs) (laughs) so i am super excited so before we do jump into our picks tell me katie what do you what are what are your feelings about twist endings you know do you look forward to them do they do they alter your reading behavior in any way hmm i would have to say yes if I know that there's that there's a twist ahead of time, my senses will be more sharply attuned to the types of clues that might be left uh, sprinkled throughout the story. But with certain subgenres, like with psychological suspense, it is almost a given every time you read a book, a psychological suspense novel, it's almost a given that there's going to be there's going to be some twist. And I know that. Gone Girl didn't was not the first book to do this by any means, but I feel like that was the 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 starting point for the just the flood of psychological suspense novels we've had over the last decade. And the idea of the twist, because that that book I I had seen 
I had seen movies where there were twists. I had read books where there were twists in them previously, but Gone Girl sticks out in my head as one of the most surprising twists I had ever seen. And like I said, we're not going to go into into spoiler into specific spoilers for these different books, but because I wasn't, you know, because I hadn't read a ton of psychological suspense at that time and because there wasn't that much, you know, out at the time, I wasn't prepped for that big twist. So when it happened, it hit me over the head like a sack of bricks. Now, when I read psychological suspense or mysteries or whatever, I feel like I can appreciate a good twist when it comes, but it's much rarer for one to hit me with the force that that a book like Gone Girl did. It just blew me away. And I feel like I'm much more... I, I'm much more experienced now when it comes to twist endings, and I'm a little bit more jaded. So I'll like I'll see something and go, eh, that's been done. Eh, seen it before. So I feel like it takes a lot more to surprise me. So what about you? So a funny thing about Gone Girl, I knew the ending before I started that book, and it still blew me away. I just wanted <laughs> to add that part. <laughs> it was so good. But for me, I think a twist ending will keep me reading the pages for longer if I know there's a twist. So the way I read a book is, especially when I'm reading a mystery, I just lose myself in the story. I really am trying to put the pieces together. So I am surprised very easily. I'll say that. I'll throw that out there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it definitely, knowing that a twist is coming, I definitely stay invested in the story more. I know that if it's slow right now, gotta persevere, gotta hold on, something's gonna come and uh, so that's how it alters my behavior. And I've often, not often, I've, but many, many times it has paid off. So that's how it alters my behavior. But what, what do you think? Do you think it adds a hint of spoiler, you know, spoiler feel to this, knowing that? Or like, are you more braced? Or I just think for, for me, I don't consider it a spoiler. I like knowing there's a twist coming, but I, I know a lot of people consider it a spoiler knowing that they're like don't tell me that don't tell me there's a twist coming so how do you feel do you feel it's it adds a layer of this spoilerishness that you know knowing not knowing that there's a twist coming is part of the mystery of many books yeah I you know I'm kind of of two minds about it because on the one hand I feel like twists are so common in Anything that we consume, whether it's books, movies, TV, anything like that, there's a twist. And so I feel like at this point, it's so it's so expected for there to be something unexpected that it's kind of, it's really difficult to pull off, like, you know, to pull off that kind of ultimate surprise because people are just, you know, thinking more about it. But that being said, I know that you know, when there is a surprise, and you're not expecting it, it's unlike anything that you've ever experienced. And I think to take just a quick step away from books and talk about movies, recently, Blaine and I were watch, we've been watching a lot of Hitchcock movies. And we were talking about watching Psycho, which is one of his, you know, probably his most famous movie, and how at the time, the the way the story shapes up, 
no one had any idea what was going to happen halfway through the movie. It was just such a shocker to them. And we were talking about just like how, you know, would that have played out in today's world? Like, can you keep that kind of thing, you know, a secret? Because I also think the other thing with Twist 2 is that it's just so easy for, for them to be, you know, actually spoiled by finding out what the twist is just with, you know, the internet and just the way we connect with each other and stuff. And then just keeping with the movie theme really quickly, I do want to share the experience that Blaine and I had last weekend when we watched the new James Wan movie, Malignant. So if you're a horror fan, you know James Wan. He did The Conjuring, he did Insidious, he did Saw, like he's he's done a bunch of huge horror movies. And so we said, okay, he's got Malignant out. And a pair, and we had heard the people that reviewers were saying, it's really, really good. And I also heard that, you know, you had to get through part of the movie. And then they were like, you have no idea. Like, you just have no idea. So I went into the movie, like, okay, something happens in this movie. It is gonna, I don't know what, but something happens. And so I just kind of sat there and I was kind of like, eh, formulating little theories. Blaine thought he had it figured out. And then the third act hit. I was nowhere close <laughs> to what actually happened. And it was so over the top bonkers that I think I spent the last 15 or 20 minutes screaming into my pillow on the couch. Like not out of fear, but just out of utter shock and delight that this is what was what I was watching. It was just so over the top. And after the movie, I asked Blaine what he thought about it. And he was he he was having trouble reconciling that part of the movie with the previous part of the movie. He didn't think it fit well together. I was just so delighted at having been taken by surprise like that. Even though I knew so there was something about the movie that people were like, oh my gosh, just hang on, like hold on to your pants. Knowing that and still coming away from the movie going, holy cow, that was such a fun experience. And so when we were talking about, oh, we're going to talk about twists for this episode, I was just thinking about that experience and just, you know, when when you can pull off a twist without people knowing it or still being able to take them by surprise, it's really, really cool. I agree. And I think uh, a, a big, uh, again, talking about movies, I think a big part of like horror, for me, when I watch horror movies, I'm always expecting, oh, there's going to be a jump scare. Oh, there's going to be a surprise. So I love that. I, I'm definitely going to put that on my radar. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's a nice segue to the next question. So do you think a lot of the books these days, are overdoing it in your opinion where where do some twists don't even make sense anymore but so like the thing about Hitchcock or his movies was that his plots were so intricate and that like even if you knew or even if you knew a twist was coming you could sort of trace back to how it might have happened but do you think that today just for that sort of sensation to add on to that sensationalism or to the marketing impact of the book it might be a little overdone Yes, I I definitely think you can have you can definitely have an overdone uh end uh twist or an ending that just falls flat because you know if you're trying I think you can definitely try too hard. I think you can definitely introduce twists that don't make sense with the rest of the book or with the story that you've laid it out like you the twist has to be organic to the story. You have to lay out the the puzzle pieces or the breadcrumb trail 
to get to that point. You can't just drop in like, oh, all of a sudden this person appears and now everything's gone sideways. Like it really, it has to feel honest and it has to feel authentic. And I think especially with the crowdedness of the psychological suspense genre with so many new books coming out. I even though I read a ton of psychological suspense, I'm very picky about the 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 ones that I do read now because there's so much coming out that I need something to help me, you know, okay, which ones should I be paying attention to? So I listen to things like, you know, a, if a a reader that I trust says holy cow, this book's got a twist that I did not see coming. I'm absolutely going to put that at the top of my list. But I have to I have to know that in advance because otherwise I feel like I'm just going to be drowning in a sea of books where it's the same storyline or the, the same plot tropes or the same, you know, the same techniques just kind of recycled over and over again. And you really need to keep something fresh, I feel like, in order to pull off a really good twist. I definitely agree. And I think there was this time, especially when during the 80s or the 90s, when the roman- romantic suspense genre was really taking off, where authors like Mary Higgins Clark, Sidney Sheldon, they always had this aspect of, you know, crime. Like Mary Higgins Clark was a primary crime writer, but a large element of their suspense was a twist ending. And usually the twist ending was related to a mental health illness. So I feel like that sort of is another aspect of, you know, like how people, how authors sometimes take it too far with their surprise endings or with their need to add in twists where where it almost becomes a little much exploitative, like where where the story lo- loses its nuance. So that in my, exp- that has been my experience with, you know, overdoing the twists where it just seems like you're overkilling this at this point, you know, like we're like, okay, stop. Like, I mean, I get it. Like this, the, the, this where it loses that element of disbelief. Where you have to actually be like, when a book makes, when a twist makes you go, I don't believe that. That's sort of when I, when I lose my way as a reader. Yeah. And for me, like, I also just think back classic twist, like the first time I watched The Sixth Sense as a kid, I saw it after it had been out in theaters. So, I mean, it had been out in the, in the cultural lexicon, so to speak, but because the internet wasn't what it was, you know, 20 years ago. So I was able to watch it, you know, just kind of going in, not realizing what the twist was for The Sixth Sense. But the way it was laid out, and it made sense with the rest of the story, and it was so unexpected. It just, I was like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. And I think if you want to use M. Night Shyamalan as an example of how sometimes the twist can be overused, because that's that became his thing, like he's known for the twist. But that that first example was just a really good example of a, of a surprise ending done right. So... With that, I think I think let's let's talk about some of these books without, of course, without spoilers. So why don't you why don't you go ahead and uh, give give us your your first book with a twist that you want to talk about? So my first pick for this topic is Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia, and I know I've spoken about the author and this book multiple times in passing, but I really wanted to take a minute and talk about this book here because I assure you, you have no idea where this will go. But before I say that, I do want to add that there are some, uh, this does straddle the line between horror and mystery. So if you're sensitive to maybe body horror, tread with caution, but it does balance both of those things really well. So 
I want to throw out that caution, but also I, if you're willing to give it a try, I would also encourage that. So this book is, it's centered around Naomi Tabuada. It's set in uh, Mexico in around, I think it's 19, 1920s or it's set around that era. And it talks about no, Noemi, who is of high society. So like the, the scene itself is like, you know, she's coming out of a party. It's late. She has a su- she has suitors waiting for her. And she's that's her life, cocktail parties and just living her best life. But she's also she's a, she's also shown as a very well-rounded character. She also has she has passion for education. She wants to make something of herself. But what happens is she receives a letter from her newlywed cousin, uh, you know, who lives in this far off Mexican countryside called High Place. And her, it's a very, you know, panicked letter from her cousin that I am, you know, I am in danger. My handsome husband is trying to kill me and it's uh, just come. And so uh, Noemi thinks that she has absolutely no choice. And, you know, she's shown as a strong-willed person who argues with her father, who says that I am going to save my cousin. And she goes off to, you know, the house, the high place in the Mexican countryside. And when she goes there, that house is the definition of, you know, a haunted house in the sense that nothing ever outwardly happens, but it's, you know, pitch dark. Like it's dark everywhere. The Walls are dark maroon, dark colors as if they're closing in. And her cousin is, you know, her cousin is very passive and she almost rejects any recollection of the fact that she even sent the letter and, or she just dismisses it at, you know, I was having a moment of hysteria. And uh, when Noemi goes there, she's told that, you know, her, her cousin is sick. You know, she's very ill. She can't see Noemi. She, she can only very rarely see Noemi. And then there's this housekeeper who always has to be present. And just everyone is so creepy. Like, everyone is so creepy. And how that shapes up, how she ends up helping her cousin, and just how that story ends up wrapping up, it just took me by surprise in a way that even when I was done reading, I, I couldn't stop. Like, whoa, whoa. Like, that was me for the next two minutes so it but it is so well done where it did not seem over the top to me it was very like the atmosphere was so perfect like it just it was just it had that slow burn feel but at the same time things escalate really quickly all of a sudden but then also slow down it's 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 just hard to explain but this was one of those books that really when I was done I just felt like I had been on a journey, like my heart was racing. It was, you know, and it was calming down and then it was racing again. And it was, it, it didn't make me say, oh, I don't like, this doesn't add up. It was very surprising and twisty. So I 100%, if you, again, if you are willing to, you know, give a little bit of, if you're looking to transition from like, if you want to try maybe harder, but you're afraid of it, because obviously there's a lot of horror out there. So, you know, this is a great book for that. This is a great book for people who are in between genres and who want to try the other genre more, but are always hesitant because, you know, that might have triggers for them. So, I mean, it does have, you know, like it does have emotional abuse triggers. It does have body horror triggers, but it's also if, you know, if you feel like you can sort of pass through that, it it is not overdone to an extent or it's not exploited in the way that I was talking about before. So it's very, very well done. The feels of this book itself make this book worth reading. So that's Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno Garcia. You know, it's so funny. I mean, I've had that book on my reading list for so long. I own a copy of it. And yet I've never actually like 
sat down to figure out the plot of the book. You know, I was just like, okay, I know kind of thematically what it hits on. And, you know, I'm excited for all these reasons. But the actual plot, I was like, I have no idea what's what's supposed to happen in this book. So <laughs> I'm glad I dying. have a little bit more like, <laughs> I'm a little bit more like grounded. I'm like, okay, now I can kind of see where what what's going on with this story. So thank you for that. All right. My first pick is one that, again, I have uh, talked about a few times on this show, but it's not one that I've gone on about at a ton of length. And it's not still not super well known. So this book that I wanted to talk about is Perfect Days by Rafael Montes. If you enjoyed the the book or the Netflix series You, which is heavy on the stalker elements, you might want to pick up this book. However, this book has teeth. It is a short book. It's under 300 pages. This is a nasty, nasty, dark book. It's it's just one of like if you're if you're twisted like me, you'll read it and just go like ugh ugh. It's it's awesome and horrifying at the same time. The main premise is there's a young medical student named Teo Avalar who is a loner. His character establishes right off the bat, like I think on the first page, exactly how creepy he is. I won't go into details. But you figure out real quick that this that this this guy is scary, and he has never really felt you know emotion human emotions around other humans until he meets a girl named Clarice, and she is spontaneous. She speaks her mind. She is an aspiring screenwriter. She's working on a screenplay called Perfect Days about this group of friends who go on a road trip across Brazil in search of romance and adventure. And Teo becomes obsessed with her. He stalks her. And then things escalate. And he he kidnaps her. And they they go upon the, the trip that she describes in her screenplay. He kidnaps her and makes her go along on this trip with him, thinking at some point she is going to fall in love with him. Spoiler, this is the spoiler alert. That is not a good way to make sure to, to make to make someone fall in love with you. Just saying. And that's about where I will stop with the plot description. Obviously, no good things are going to come from this story. But this book was one where, even though, like, you know, the majority of the book, you can kind of like, oh, okay, I, I see where this is going. It's dark, it's twisted, all this stuff. And then, like, by the end of the book, you're like, oh boy, that escalated in a way I was not anticipating. So that, the, it still, it still packs a punch at the end. And I will also say, if you get your hands on a copy of the book, get your hands on a copy of the hardcover version because the cover of the hardcover book is so perfect. And the paperback redesign is a travesty. I just, I absolutely reject that it exists, like, I just can't even think about it. The hardcover, and when you look at the hardcover version of the book, and then you read the book, and then you go, oh. So, hopefully, like, if, you know, like I said, if if your reading interests run to the dark and demented like mine do, hopefully that will be enough to convince you to pick up Perfect, Day- Perfect Days. And again, that is by Rafael Montes. I love how we're struggling to not spoil the book for our listeners, and we're like, uh... Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, that, mm, don't want to say anymore. 
but that has been on my list forever. So I'm definitely going to bump that one up. And then I'll wait for your text message going, oh my God, Katie. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Before I jump on to our next pick, do you want to give us our second sponsor? Yes. Let's go ahead and do that. So our second sponsor is Amazon Publishing and the book Mastermind by Andrew Main. When a mysterious electrical storm plunges Manhattan into darkness and all communication crashes in the blink of an eye, FBI Special Agent Jessica Blackwood and scientist Dr. Theo Cray know this isn't a freak accident. When they find out that their greatest adversary, serial killer and cultist, the Warlock, has escaped, they discover that they must work together to beat a madman at his own game. Think of the most horrifying plot against the world that you can imagine. Now think again, and let the games begin. So again, we thank Amazon Publishing very much for sponsoring this episode, and the book again is called Mastermind by Andrew Main. All right, so what I want to do before I move on with this is that you all need to forget the Haunting of Hill House Netflix series, which was associated with this book, because the two are nothing alike, first of all. And then second of all, I picked this one first, but actually you can pick up any Shirley Jackson book and have your mind blown off. She writes slim volumes too. She writes like, I think Haunting of Hill House is what, 230 pages? And she will just, uh, like her, her short stories, like the lottery, like she will surprise you in ways you did not think possible her mind works in the strangest of ways so for the haunting of hill house our story is about involves around dr montag who is an occult scholar and he is looking for solid evidence of a haunting so he finds this house called hill house and he finds four people and he convinces them to survive the night in the house with him and to sort of he makes it he makes a case study out of it and then we sort of see the background of these four characters of how of what's going on in their lives and you know you know how you always ask this question who why would you do that well she answers this question for you before the story even begins so we see each of these characters stories and then we come to this point where they're all you know come together in hill house and then as I'm sure everyone has heard, you know, the story takes off from there. And then strange things start happening. But the thing about Hill House, is, and which is in the plot, which is not spoilery, is the way that it's constructed, no one can be sure if it's really haunted or if it's just the construction of the house. And that's not even the mystery part of it. So, like, I think the brilliance of the book or the story is that she, Shirley Jackson, already tells you, you know, she like she's like, well, that's the mystery, apparently, but is it now? So, you know, and I and I definitely want to talk about this book because when I read it, I was just, I didn't know what to do with myself in the sense that for like a very long time, I was questioning my head, like what's going on? Like, did I read this right? So I definitely want to put it out there for anyone who's looking for an, for just a story that you don't know where it's going. So that's The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, but honestly, any book by Shirley Jackson. Yeah, I love The Haunting of Hill House. And that's a, and that's also a book that I feel like you get a very different experience when you read it in print versus when you listen to it in audio. And I actually prefer reading it in print just because you you spend so much time in the main character's head that in audio, it's a little harder to escape from that fact. And sometimes it can feel like, okay, all right, yeah, I get this. We're, we're kind of stuck in her head. 
but in print, you it's easier to kind of forget that, and I think the impact is a little bit more powerful. But yeah, I love, love that book. Okay, so my second pick is the young adult novel We Were Liars by E. Lockhart, and this is another book that came out 2014, according to Goodreads. And this was a book, again, that it's not, it is not like Gone Girl, you know, but it came out earlier in the tsunami of psychological suspense that it still felt fresh and surprising. And this is also a book that even though it's seven years old at this point, and in young adult fiction, where books just cycle in and out so quickly, you are still going to see this book at libraries, at Barnes & Noble on display. Like, this is still a book that you can recommend to teens. They will read it, and they will go, oh my gosh. So this book, I am purposely going to keep my, my description very, very short, because I only had just the briefest, just the smallest idea of what the actual plot was about. And I think that's the best way to go into this book. It features a very distinguished, wealthy family. They own a private island. So just to get, you know, give a sense of who these characters are. This is not the average everyday person that you're going to be reading about. So if you aren't a fan of books about hashtag rich people problems, th this book is kind of, is kind of in that, in that vein. So, but yes, the, the, the family that this focuses on is very, very wealthy, very distinguished. There's a group of four cousins, they call themselves the Liars, and their friendship turns destructive. There's a secret, there's an accident, there's lies upon lies, there is just so much going on. And... What I love about the description, the official description, at least on Goodreads, is that it says, read it. And if anyone asks you how it ends, just lie. And I'm just going to leave it there. I will also say this was a bad book to read on a plane because it ended and I kind of wanted to make a lot of noise when the book ended, but I couldn't because I was on an airplane. So just take that in, uh, keep that in mind if you do decide to pick it up. It's a short read. I would be interested if if there's anyone who hasn't read it, if they can go into it pretty, you know, pretty blind to what the actual story is about. If it has the same impact now that it did seven, you know, six or seven years ago when I read it for the first time. But this is a book that really still sticks out in my mind, even after I read it for the first time. And again, that is We Were Liars by E. Lockhart. That book is st still is everywhere, and I think I can I I volunteer myself to read this book completely blind because I still like uh, unless you'd spoken about it, I did not know what it was about. It was it it's still everywhere. Even mm -hmm. if you go to a used bookstore, it's like the first like in the young adult section or the thriller section, it's always there or either they're always sold out. So. Mm -hmm. I like I said, I volunteer myself. All I right, you know. tribute. <laughs> All right, I think um, so. Katie and I had a couple of more lined up because we could apparently talk about this topic forever. But that is it for us today. If you have any picks that completely surprised you, don't be afraid to yell yell them at us because we love a good twist ending. 
if you couldn't tell. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> But with that, let's move on to some new releases. Katie, what you got? What are you excited about? All right. Well, we've got we've actually got a couple of nonfiction picks, which I I'm really I'm I, I'm excited about both of these. The the one that I want to talk about comes out next week on September 28th, and it's called Personal Effects, What Recovering the Dead Teaches Me About Caring for the Living by Robert A. Jensen. And the author of the book is actually the owner of the world's leading disaster management company. So he is the person who he responds to global tragedies to help help the survivors recover the the people that have been killed in the tragedy and and whatnot. So he has responded to the Oklahoma City bombing, 9/11, the 2004 South Asian tsunami, Hurricane Katrina, the earthquake in Haiti in 2010. He has just he's assisted with all kinds with recovery efforts from all kinds of unimaginable tragedies that have happened over the last 20 years. And so he's experiencing these types of things on a very practical level. So he helps recover bodies. He helps identify victims. He helps return personal effects to surviving family members. He is also involved in the emotional recovery that comes after a disaster. So he helps the families, the governments, the companies involved, helping them, you know, understand what to expect, managing the unmanageable that comes up in the after effects of a tragedy. And he describes it as, if journalists write the first rough draft of history, I put the punctuation on the past. So this is, this is a really deep kind of book because it's really difficult work that he does. But it also, it looks at, you know, this idea of death and life and how we can learn from these terrible experiences to bring comfort and wisdom to people who are still alive. So this is, I think, oh, just a really, really fascinating look at crime, at death, and look at it in a completely different way. So if you're looking, if you if you're looking for a fresh perspective on true crime or other things of that nature, I think this is going to be the book for you. And again, it's called Personal Effects, What Recovering the Dead Teaches Me About Caring for the Living by Robert A. Johnson, and that comes out on September 28th. I love that. Oh my goodness. I'm definitely going to put that on my radar because that just sounds fantastic. My pick is also nonfiction and it is already out. It came out September 14th and it's Fuzz When Nature Breaks the Law by Mary Roach. Before I move on, let me just say this title itself is so signature of who Mary Roach is as an author. <laughs> It really is. I, I mean, so yeah. So, I mean, we talk about law breaking all the time when humans do it, you know, on this show. So I wanted to throw this in the mix. And this time, if you're unfamiliar with Mary Roach's work, what she does is she takes an aspect of science Science, it can be anything. It can be physics, biology, astronomy, anything. And then she sort of, you know, adds humor to it, but at the same time educates, you know, educates it through her work. And it's a it's a mix of, you could, you just never know what you're going to get with her. So like she had her book Stiff, which I think is sort of what put her on the map. is like, it talks about what happens to human cadavers after they die. And which when I tell someone, they're like, what? is wrong with you oh, like no, why are you so reading it? <laughs> and then but then when you read it you, you you know that you know like 
like she did something with that topic that only she can do. So she is awesome. Like she is awesome at what she does. But this one, so I'm just going to read the description because it so perfectly captures why this is the perfect book to feature on here and also why it's the perfect book to read. What's to be done about a jaywalking moose, a bear caught breaking and entering, a murderous tree? 300 years ago, animals that broke the law would be assigned legal representation and put on trial. These days, as Mary Roach discovers, the answers are best found not in jurisprudence, but in science. The curious science of human-wildlife conflict, a discipline at the crossroads of human behavior and wildlife biology. Roach tags along with animal attack forensic investigators, human-elephant conflict specialists, bear managers, and danger tree faller blasters. Intrepid as ever, she travels from leopard-terrorized hamlets in the Indian Himalayas to St. Peter's Square in the early hours before the Pope arrives for Easter Mass when vandal gulls swoop in to destroy the elaborate floral display. (laughs) She tastes rat bait, learns how to install a vulture effigy, and gets mugged by a macaque. (laughs) So, I mean... It's right there. So she is on a mission to find out what happens when nature, when animals break the law, when trees attack you. or And through that, she sort of tackles the bigger themes of, you know, at the point where we are, where human and nature seem to be at conflict, at a point of conflict rather than the point of coexistence. And I am ready for this. I cannot, I am going to try and get my hands on this immediately, but I'm super, super excited about this one. It just sounds all the kinds of perfect. So again, that's Fuzz, When Nature Breaks the Law by Mary Roach, and it is already out. Uh, It came out September 14th. Oh my God. That just sounds so awesome. And I'm also thinking about the time Blaine and I went hiking in Rocky Mountain National Park and he got chased down the mountain <laughs> by a vengeful wasp that oh, tried man. to fly into his shoe while he was getting a rock out. All of a sudden, I just see him go hopping down the mountain with his hands flailing in the air, one <laughs> shoe in his hand. I'm like, what happened? And then he gets his shoe back out. He's like, oh, there was a bee, there was a wasp. And then he's telling me about it. And then he just takes off again because the because the wasp caught up to him. And he's just <laughs> running down the mountain and he and like it caught up to him again so i'm like this vengeful stalking wasp i'm imagining someone bringing in like a glass jar into a courtroom with this and be like you're on trial (laughs) yeah yeah the wasp is the defendant he's like silence in the court (laughs) oh my gosh i love that animals were assigned legal representation (laughs) that just made my whole night it, I I can I cannot I am definitely gonna try and get my hands on a copy either from the library or definitely treat myself uh, on a Friday. But with that, that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor Jen Zink for always making us sound great and for you know muting out the toddlers in the background banging drums. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search bookriot on your podcast player of choice. If you want to send an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. 
And you can find me on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.